Welcome to Roman Cola for the Soul with your host Cindy Felcool, a lady who loves to share stories and likes to laugh at her own jokes. The question that I get asked the most often is, how do you get what you get out of the Bible? Actually, <laughs> that's not true. The question that I get asked the most often is, are you serious? But the question I get asked the most often about the Bible is, how do you get what you get out of the Bible when you read it? And for my Southern friends, I'm saying, how do you get what you get? (laughs) I've been in the North for a while. But one of my favorite ways that somebody has asked me that question was when a young woman came to my house and she had been really misjudged by some people that she went to church with. She was hurt and she came to my house to talk to me about it. And I sat down with her and read some scripture about how God forgave her and she needed to free herself from that shame. When I got through talking to her, she's like, I don't know, Mrs. F. I think you guys are reading two different Bibles. And I'm guessing that you've probably witnessed this same dichotomy. Some people read the Bible and get all of this judgment and condemnation. And then other people seem to read the Bible and get lots of hope and love for the world. And I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, because there's so much (laughs) divisiveness in our culture right now, that we've all seen it. But some of you have done more than just see it. Some of you have been really hurt by it. And some of you have experienced extreme rejection from people that you cared about. And they rejected you in the name of their Christian beliefs. And it's really hurtful. And it's hard to reconcile how does so much love and hate come from what seems to be the same place. And that's the question I want to talk about today. But before I talk about that, I do want to just deal with the elephant in the room of you might be saying, "Um, Cindy, what makes you think your version is the right one? (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of really smart people out there that disagree with you. So first of all, I just want to clear the air and say, I don't think that I can step into 2000 years of debates over theology and clear it up because my theology degree came from Google. I'm kidding, guys, that's not a thing. But if it were a thing, I would have one. (laughs) But here's what I do know about the question of how does so much love and so much judgment come from the same place? I know that it comes from two different approaches to reading the Bible. And the approach you choose pretty much determines everything. I call these two approaches religion versus faith. And I'm aware that a lot of people use those words interchangeably, and I'm not going to try to fix that today. But for today's purposes, I want you to understand the difference between them. So first, let's talk about religion. Surprisingly, the word religion is only mentioned five times in the Bible. So to understand what religion is as a whole concept and all of that, you have to get outside of the Bible and research sociology and philosophy and all of that. And I did this and I read a lot of the work of Bertrand Russell, who was a major influencer of modern criticism of religion. And he hated Christianity, but he had a lot of valid points about religion. And so through all of that study, I came up with this definition for you guys. Religion is any set of beliefs and practices that a person follows in order to gain control, influence, or special favor with their version of God, 
Or if they don't believe in God, it can be just what they use to gain control over what's uncontrollable in the world. And I know that's a lot of words, guys, and none of you have it memorized, and you're probably not going to pass my vocab test later. (laughs) But the key to this definition that you need to remember for today is that it's about using things to gain control over what's uncontrollable. And the things like ceremonies, rituals, and spiritual disciplines can actually be really good things, but they can become evil if they're used as an attempt to gain control or to determine who is in and who is out. So let's just contrast that with faith. And (laughs) the definition of faith is a whole lot simpler. Faith is trust, and trust comes from knowing God. And I like to quote my good friend Andy Mineo on this. I wish I could say it all rapper-like the way he does. (laughs) But Andy Mineo says, the opposite of faith ain't doubt. It's when you got it all figured out. And I like that because it's talking about what we're doing is learning to trust God. And guess what? Faith is mentioned over 450 times in the Bible. It's really what the Bible's all about. And faith is the opposite of religion. Religion is about seeking control, and faith is about learning to trust that God is in control, and it's letting go of control. Faith is about pursuing the relationship with God and learning to trust in His goodness and love, and it's learning to see that goodness and love even when the world around us is filled with evil and hate. So when we think about these two definitions and apply them to how we read the Bible, I think we all want to choose faith. (laughs) Like I'm like, yeah, sign me up. The faith side sounds good. But the problem is that I think we all also want glory, fame, power, and control. (laughs) I do. I also want to know that everything's going to work out just the way I want it to for everybody that I care about. But I do see that as I grow and I know more about God and I learn to trust him more, I really want the faith more than I want the religion. Religion has kept me imprisoned in shame, and it never made me the person that I want it to be. And I know I have hurt people by judging them unfairly. Jesus taught a lot about this struggle, and he never said the word religion, but he taught about every single aspect of how people use religion to judge others and to gain power. And he also constantly commended people who were actually pretty bad at religion, (laughs) and he commended them for having great faith. In this culture, Jesus's teaching was incredibly hard for people to accept because they were steeped in religion, and it was woven all through their culture. And I think it's woven all through our culture. It's just a lot more subtle than it was back then. But Jesus' disciples really, really had a hard time with this. There's a funny story in Matthew 16, verses 5 through 12, where Jesus says to them, Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeast was this common symbol in that time period for evil. So this common symbol, Jesus is saying, Be on guard against the evil of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The disciples could not wrap their minds around that their revered religious leaders were actually something that they needed to guard against. And so when Jesus says that to them, they're all like, is he saying that because we don't have any bread? (laughs) So what's funny about that is that there was no time that the disciples would have gone and asked their revered religious leaders to give them some yeast. 
it just wasn't a thing that was done. So they were, why were they thinking, um, is Jesus saying, don't do something that we've never done and make sure we don't do it because those guys got a bad batch of yeast going around? I mean, it was, it was a silly interpretation of what Jesus said, but it made more sense to them than to think that, hey, those guys are spreading evil. We know that this is what hap- happens because in verse 9 of that story, the disciples are discussing, hey, what's he talking about? And Jesus goes, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? And then he lists all these things he's done. He's like, guys, you've seen all these miracles. <laughs> Do you know how I'm going to provide for you and take care of you? Why are you asking, is it about bread? And then they're all like, oh, yeah, we can <laughs> And they understood that he was not telling them to guard against actual yeast, (laughs) but he was saying, hey, guys, be on guard against the teaching of your religious leaders. In fairness to the disciples, it really is hard to comprehend that religious teachings can be evil. I didn't want to put it in my podcast today as I was writing my notes. I was like, I can't say evil because it's not really evil. It's just not great. But And I kept changing that word because it feels so harsh. But then here's where it gets really real for me. Let's examine what religion has done with one of Jesus's most famous teachings. In Luke chapter 15, the Pharisees and teachers of the law are criticizing Jesus for hanging out with sinners. And in response to these critics, Jesus tells them three parables to demonstrate God's heart for people who don't know him. And the first story is the story of the lost sheep. The owner has 100 sheep and one gets lost. He leaves the 99 sheep to go find the one that is lost. In the second parable, Jesus tells the story of a woman who lost a coin. And as soon as she realized she lost it, she frantically searched for it. And when she finds it, she calls all of her friends and neighbors and just has this big celebration because she's so happy that she found this lost coin. And the third and most beautiful story that Jesus tells is about a young man who insults his father, takes his inheritance, leaves home, and wastes all of his money. And in the culture of Jesus's time, everybody listening would have thought that that young man deserved to be put to death. But in Jesus's story, when the young man decided to return home, the father saw him from a long ways away, and the father ran to him. And when you read that story with faith, what you see is this beautiful picture of God's love for people who have broken his heart in a million different ways. But the second they turn to him, he wants to run to them. I think it's the most beautiful and powerful story in the Bible when I read it through faith. But there was a time that I read that story through a religious filter. I would have titled it The Story of the Disappointed Father. And what I always thought deep down when I read that was it was a story about how much I had disappointed God and how much I needed to make up for that. And I lived in this cycle of trying to be good and then just wallowing in shame because I could not live up to it. Another way that these stories have been read through the filter of religion is how people use the label, the lost, to define people who don't know God. A lot of people use the term lost to separate and to shame people. 
and even sometimes to hate them and to fear them. Faith sees things differently. Faith trusts in how much the Father deeply loves those who don't yet know Him, and faith seeks them. Faith wants to run after them and tell them that the Creator of the whole universe adores them. Faith doesn't see a project to fix. Faith sees a beloved child of God who needs to understand who she is. And that, my friends, is the difference in reading the Bible through religion and reading it through faith. It really is like two different Bibles. And I don't think for a second that I have it all together, and I don't think I'm always right. I just know I want to seek faith over religion because when we read the Bible and live our lives through faith, we're focused on wanting to know God. And the more we trust in His amazing love for us, the more we want to share that love with the world. Can you imagine how differently the world would think of following Jesus if they saw a whole lot more faith and a whole lot less religion? How would your life look different? How would your relationships be different? How would you be more free, more at peace, and have more hope? And I hope that you want to read the Bible to know God. And I hope that you also want to guard yourself against the yeast of religion and focus more on faith. And I hope you're excited about this and that this gives you some insights on how to read the Bible. So my challenge for you this week is to start really thinking about how are you religious and what are the religious things that you do? And then start praying about God to show you these things, but also to help you just focus more on knowing him. I'd love for you to share some of the things that you come up with from your list as you're thinking about this. I've already shared some on Facebook for you, so so you don't have to be the first to step out there into that awkwardness, <laughs> because I'm fighting it too, guys. I'm not perfect. I know that was an obvious thing that didn't need to be said, but just throwing it out there in case you thought I thought I was perfect. <laughs> that is on my Facebook page, and I'd love you guys to comment on that. And I know this is tough. I'm praying for you guys as you do this. It's really hard to be the self-reflective. And it's also really hard to let go of your desire to control. It brings up so many insecurities. But I promise it's absolutely freeing and worth the effort. As always, I'd love to hear from you. All my contact info and transcript of today's episode is on my website, RomanCallTheForTheSoul.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you feel both energized and calmed like your soul has just had some rum and cola. Blessings, guys.